sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy second hour and happy Friday to you all. AJ Salveson, Eric Francis, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Here's the Full Court Press. You can also stream us on 1069thefan.com. You can also... Turn into or tune into our podcast uh, on Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. You just type in the Full Court Press, Eric's name, my name, and you'll be able to find content like last night. When you would go golfing with Bobby Knight, the the assistant or the secretary would tell you to make sure that he won so he wasn't coming back in an angry mood. Is that true? <laughs> well, no, but that's not to that effect. But all of us that ever worked for Coach Knight, we uh, we thought that things went a little bit better if he was able to win. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he did not like losing at anything, not at anything. I mean, believe me. Though, so yeah, no. I one time in the summer, I you know would run his summer basketball camp, and what I mean by that, you know, the head coaches in the summer they they don't want to monkey around with registering kids and setting up everything so the assistant set it all up but he had a really huge basketball camp and so day before canceling and i'm running the camp you know there's can be 800 kids and 50 coaches come in and all that so i'm running the camp and i'm down in the field house getting ready and here came the trainer and says hey con coach wants you and i said well, what does he want he said he wants to play tennis <laughs> so the other, the other two coaches, Joby Wright and Roy Swalm, say, "Hey, uh, Con, now be cool. Now you know you <laughs> we're going into camp for six weeks. You know, and so, <laughs> and so uh, we get playing, and uh, and we played at a little a place we called Wimbledon. There's a rich guy there in Bloom had this really uh, immaculate court, but." We get playing, and I get up four games, though, and he's getting pretty agitated. So <laughs> I threw the rest of the game, so I 6-4. Just so, magically lost my serve. Yeah. <laughs> well, we go back into the cave, you know, in the bottom of Assembly Hall, and, and we're right, sitting there, and Steve Downing comes in. His assistant AD there, he played at Indiana, played for the Celtics. But he's, he came in and says, hey, you guys play tennis? Who won and, and coaches? Well, he says, after I got going, he says, I just kicked Con's ass. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. You, uh, so that's just that's a, funny. That, that's a teaser bit to uh, Con Smith last night. Grateful to him joining us. He was so good. He felt bad because I said on the phone, I'm like, hey, how much time do you got? And he says, 10, 15 minutes. He went 32 minutes. Wow. And he felt bad, and I was like, why do you feel bad? No, dude. Like, that was great. And uh, so I asked him, one, if he'll take me fly fishing, and two, <laughs> if he'll come back. And he's like, oh, I'll come back. So uh, he said he'd be more than happy to come back on our show. Hey, it's an in-the-know of uh, Boise State and Utah State uh, as the Aggies get ready for to go to Extra Mile Arena where the Broncos are 8-1, and, and the Aggies have been atrocious on the road here in Mountain West Conference play. B.J. Reigns joins us here He uh, of the Idaho Press and uh, of the Blue Turf Sports. He's also an AP voter in the top 
25 of men's basketball. This is a really intriguing interview, Eric, for a number of reasons. And one of them, actually, is something you brought up to him about the Mountain West TV contract network. Can you give just our listeners a tease of what they might hear? That uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in Boise. And they're not sure how this deal went through and how Boise's uh, president, athletic director, how they signed off on this deal. And and she's been new for is it five months? Well, the president, yes, was uh, was instated this this last summer. Yeah. So there's seems to be a prevailing thought there that there was a new school president. She may not have known the history and known everything that was in contracts before, and just was trying to play nice with all the other school presidents. And uh, doesn't have the AD very happy. Doesn't have very many fans happy. <laughs> We BJ also have, will explain it more. It's really interesting. Here's BJ Rain to the Idaho Press, Blue Turf Sports, here on the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and myself, Audrey Salveson. From the Idaho Press and Blue Turf Sports, it's one of my favorite guests in the Mount West Conference that we get to talk to. It's BJ Rains joining you here on the Full Court Press with Eric Franson and myself, Audrey Salveson. BJ, thanks for your time. No problem, guys. What's going on in Logan? Uh, you know, just beautiful. Bundling up. Great, warm, <laughs> sunny. Staying dry. Freaking... <laughs> Freezing weather. Dusting off the powder skis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, BJ, I got, I got to start here. This this game against Air Force, and I watched this, was one of the most atrocious ref games I've ever seen, in so much that uh, Leon Rice gets ejected, and, and rightfully, I guess, rightfully on his part to argue it, when you talk to Coach Rice after, what is his thoughts, I mean, about just, in general, the the mood of the locker room, losing a game like that to Air Force, but really a poorly officiated game. Yeah, you know, it's always tough because he doesn't want to, like, blame the officials as the reason they lost. He's not trying to make excuses. But when he got the two technical fouls with 19 seconds left in the first half, the fouls were 11-2. to uh, And I think the free throw attempts were, like, 13-2 to or something. So um, you're in a close game, and he felt consistently that they were on the wrong end of a lot of close calls. And so there was a, a what looked like a charge. He didn't get the call. And then the next possession, there was a travel called on, on Boise State, and then he said something and got the first one. I think after he got the first one, he got you know really frustrated, wanted to get his money's worth, and he had a couple of players holding him back, which he said made it look worse than it really was because he wasn't really going to charge at the ref or whatever, but it looked <laughs> like that. So he he uh, he got the second tee and got the heave ho, and he said the worst part was uh, trying to find a TV back in the bowels of the Kloon Arena to find a way to watch the rest of the game. He almost went up and sat in the stands, but he wasn't sure if he was allowed to do that and finally found uh, some athletic department staffer that had a TV that got the channel and was able to watch most of the second half. But, um, yeah, you know, disappointing, obviously. But you look at Air Force, and obviously Utah State fans know what Air Force can do at Kloon Arena. So um, it, it can be a sneaky, tough place to play, and Air Force – um, had some weird losses early in the season, but they're they're a good team. When you've got Ryan Swan and Lavelle Scotty, and then you throw in some of the other guards they have and the way they shoot the three, Air Force can be a, a dangerous team. And so, you know, it's been kind of an up-and-down year for Boise State, and that was certainly a, a down uh, moment for them. But um, I think in general they're just trying to flip the page, and they know obviously that it's going to be a, be a big one tomorrow night. BJ, Utah State and, and, and Boise State have had – Really interesting contests whenever they face each other, particularly whenever they play in Boise, regardless of what the, the regular season or even conference records are. Uh, I don't know that I see anything that is going to prove to be different coming into this one. Utah State's been up and down. Boise State's had some different games. Uh, but this Boise State team has some pretty dynamic players that uh, uh, led by Alston primarily, uh, at least 
uh, what I've seen is he seems to be the, one of the more consistent guys uh, on the season. But is there? Am I missing somebody else that that has been more con, most consistent player for the Broncos so far this year? Well, I mean, he's their leading scorer, so he's obviously the the guy. And he the problem is they've got a couple of guys, but in some of the games they've lost. Alston and Justinian Jessup and some of their best players have all been cold on the same night. So if they could just spread it out and have one or two guys still have big games when, when someone else is cold, they just haven't really had enough guys pick up the slack when some of their star players are, are down. And so, um, you know, uh, in the game at San Diego State last Saturday, I think Alston only had like six points. And uh, Justinian Jessup is the Mountain West, uh, well, he's the Boise State all-time three-point leader right now. He just set the Boise State record last week, and he's only about 15 three-pointers from breaking Jimmer for death's Mountain West record, so he's going to be the all-time three-point leader. Uh, he's almost at 300 made threes in his career, so I mean, he he has the ability to go five for six in a game, but he's had a couple games this year where he's gone one for seven or one for eight, so they need him to be a little more consistent from three. They shoot a lot better. They just play a lot better at home. I mean, I think that's been as you guys have seen across the Mountain West, a lot of these puzzling scores, you're getting San Jose State winning some games at home. You had Colorado State the other night with a huge game over New Mexico hitting 19 threes. And it just seems like for whatever reason at home uh, versus the road, teams just play a lot different in this conference. And Boise State is no different uh, you know, in that area. They're 8-1 and one at home and I think 1-6 and six on the road. So they just play really well at home for whatever reason. I think Leon Rice is over 80% of uh, his home games in his 10 years at Boise State they've won. So they don't lose very often at home. They're, they're expecting a big crowd tomorrow night because the students are back in and they're having a blue out. So um, I don't think it'll be a sellout, but it'll be, be probably the best crowd for sure they've had this season. So they just, um, you know, they're, they're, they've lost two in a row, and this is a big game for them to try to, um, you know, turn things around. And I think they're still pretty ticked off with how last year's game went. They didn't think that was a foul when Sam Merrill had the N1 to tie the game and, and some of the other plays that happened in that game. They, they thought they should have had that game won, missed a couple free throws down the stretch, and then lost in overtime. So they felt like they gave that one away. And to see Utah State go on the rest of the season and do what they did, they were really kicking themselves for that. So I think they're pretty motivated uh, to have another shot since they didn't go to Logan last year. I think uh, this is the first time they've played them, and I think they're pretty motivated to, uh, you know, we'll see if it's enough on the court, but I know they're pretty fired up to get a shot at at the Aggies tomorrow. BJ, no, excuse me, I know you kind of answered this, uh, but you, as you mentioned, uh, at Extra Mile Arena, Broncos are 8-1. and one. On the road, they're 1-6. and six. How do you explain that to somebody, that a team can be so poorly on the road, but at the same time, they've actually competed in these games, but when it comes to home games, they just, I mean, they turn it on to a different level. It's, it's incredible. Have you seen anything like that? Well, I mean, look at the road games they've played. They played at San Diego State, at Nevada, at New Mexico. They've already played the three hardest places in the Mountain West to go play in the first three games. Uh, and then they already played at Oregon this year, and they had to go all the way and play at Tulsa. Um, so, I mean, and then they played at Pacific. I mean, they've had a lot of road games already. And, you know, four of their seven road games are, you know, uh, you know, very good teams when you throw Oregon in there with the three Mountain West games. So um, I think that's part of it. I mean, their home games, they've played San Jose, and uh, they did beat UNLV at home, which was a nice win, given what UNLV has done so far. Um, they beat BYU at home, but, but BYU was a little shorthanded in that game. So, they, you know, but, but um, for the most part, I think it's just they just played differently on the road, and they've also played some tough teams on the road, I think, is part of it. And uh, Life on the Mountain West on the road is hard, and, and Boise State might have one of the more extreme home versus road splits right now. And, and uh, you know, they kind of tell you to try to go 500 on the road and win your home games. And, and Boise State's obviously not doing that, but they're hoping with, uh, you know, Air Force, or not Air Force, uh, San Jose and some of the easier places to go still on the schedule that maybe they can get some more wins there. But 
Um, no, I just think they're more confident. They shoot so much better at home. They, they for whatever reason, their three point percentage on the road is just terrible. They were at Nevada. They were like five of thirty. It wasn't much better. At uh, it ended up, I think, ten of thirty at San Diego State. But they hit three or four in the last couple minutes of the game when it was well out of reach. So um, they're just more confident at home. They shoot better at home and. You know, on a road game, when when a other team would hit a couple buckets and the crowd would get behind them, it kind of rattles them a little bit. But it doesn't seem, you know, at home when the crowd's behind them, they really feed off that. And I think it's been a a big difference. So I know they're thankful to to be at home and have a nice stretch of home games. Uh, you know, starting to even back out here on the schedule. Again, trying to uh, better understand this team that the Utah State will be facing on Saturday night for that eight o'clock tip off. Uh, Jessup and Alston, prolific scorers. A lot of uh, attempts beyond the arc, uh, pretty good three-point uh, three percentages. Um, but besides them, I mean, you, you've highlighted them a little bit, but some of the other players that we might see that that uh, could be some dynamic players to watch out for. Yeah, two guys that are coming off the bench, and the only reason they come off the bench is because you know they're both good enough and probably should be starting. But um, R.J. Williams is a, an inside guy. He's only six eight, but he's left-handed and he has really really good post moves, and so he's kind of a sneaky guy and he, he's uh you know he'll back down the bigger guys and, and rj williams is averaging a double figures i believe and alex hobbs is the other guy um who was the sixth man of the year in the mountain west and was starting for the first half of the season before they got the oregon transfer eligible abu kijab so both those guys probably should be starting but leon likes to bring him off the bench um because rj williams fouls a lot and they try to keep him out of foul trouble and then with hobbs i think he just likes what he thinks off the bench in terms of a spark you know a couple of minutes into the game so those are two key guys that in crunch time will probably end up being out there, Archie Williams and Alex Hobbs, who just don't start. And then, you know, Key Jab, the Oregon transfer that I mentioned, has been a big boost for him. He had 20 points against Air Force. Um, it's been interesting because, you know, you had him at the semester, and Derek Alston has, was used to having the ball in his hands a ton, just up two, and now, you know, Key Jab, you know, has taken a lot of the ball, the ball handling away. And so it's been interesting that they're mixed and, these other guys are having to try to get their shots too, and so um, I don't want to say it's been a negative because he's doing really well, obviously averaging you know well over ten points a game. But I think it's taken some time for the other players in the offense to adjust to, to not having the guys that are used to taking all the shots, taking all the shots. So um, if you can add a four-star guy into your lineup that's averaging you know fourteen a game, you'll you'll definitely do it. So they're they're happy to have him. It's just taken a, you know mid-season like this, it's been a little bit of adjustment to work him into the mix. B.J. Reigns of the Idaho Press and Blue Turf Sports joins us here on the Full Court Press getting ready for the Broncos-Aggies matchup at Extra Mile Arena. It's a dangerous, dangerous venue to, for any opponent to have to go into and try to get a much-needed a much win. At least it's going to be for the Aggies. When you see the Aggie squad, and I know you kept an eye on them as an AP Top 25 voter. I want to get into that in just a little bit. But when you see this Aggie squad, what has changed from the start of the season to now where they lost back-to-back games in just blowout fashion? And then got a, and then finally got a big win against Nevada. But what are the things that you're seeing in their struggles? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing them in person because I watched a lot of their games on TV, and it, it, something just hasn't seemed right. It, it just doesn't. It's just hard to see. Even in some of the, you know, it just. I, I know with uh, you know Kato being in and out of the lineup has been a big part of it. it. It doesn't seem like at times you know that the outside shooting and particularly Merrill. Um, you know, it, it has had the, you know, from afar, it doesn't seem like he's been as lethal as maybe he has in the past. And some of these games where they really needed some scoring in the second half, he kind of disappeared. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very curious because I, I can't really put my finger on it. And I'm actually getting ready to interview Coach Rice and a couple players, uh, you know, today for an article here. And I'm curious to see what they'll say about it because um, they're obviously uber talented. You know, a lot of guys that are, are role players and other guys that, that uh, you know, burned Boise State in the past, like Frito and these guys, I mean, they, they have 
a lot of key guys. And so uh, I, I just, I don't know, something just hasn't really for a far click. You guys would obviously probably know better than me, but it just at times hasn't seemed like they've been clicking on all cylinders. I think a lot of things went their way last year. A lot of shots went their way. They just had so much momentum and confidence and rode it right through the year. And I think uh, everyone just assumed, and myself included, that they were just going to roll through the conference and, and uh, be a top 20 team in the poll and get a high seed in the tournament. It's not that easy. It's it's hard when teams are looking out for you and you're getting everybody's best shot every night. So I think that's been part of it where they just had to been used to, you know, teams circling them on the schedule and, and, and going into sold out crowds every game and, and having it be a huge game for the opponent. And so I think that's probably been part of it, but I, I would say maybe just some of their role players maybe haven't stepped up quite as much. And when it comes down to it, you know, you got to get, you know, Kata and, and Merrill have to be the two guys that lead them moving forward. This is a, um, well, you, I want to let, let you ask your top 25 question before I move off on another topic. All right, so I, I got to ask, uh, San Diego State uh, is, is moving up the ranks and doing so in a quick fashion. You got to see them in person, and I have as well, but I want to know from a voter perspective, what impresses you about the Aztecs the most right now? I think I've got a number six right now, and, and uh, you know, I, I've got, I had them a little higher for a while um, than some of the other voters, and everybody else is kind of caught up, but I've got a number six right now, and I think there were a couple teams and I'm trying to think off the top of my head that have lost this week. So I think they're going to move up even higher. I'll have them ahead of uh, Auburn for sure. I don't remember where I had Oregon. I think I might have had uh, – they were probably below them. But I think somebody else lost that was ranked pretty high. So I'm going to probably have them, uh, you know, four or five this week, maybe higher. They're, they're, you know, I just – I don't know. Everyone keeps asking, are they legit? Are they for real? I mean, it's hard at this point to not say they're not. When they've beaten some of the teams they've beaten, Creighton, Iowa, you know, uh, Going to BYU and winning there, and you know, and, and already getting the road win in Logan, um, beating a Utah team, you know, handily that had just beaten Kentucky. So um, the resume is impressive, and they're winning. And the thing that's crazy to me is they're you know they're winning games by an average of like 19 points. I mean, they're not skeeting by in most of these games. They're just blowing teams out. And so when you've got the guard play they've got, you know, and in the game against Boise State, uh, KJ Fagan hit like five threes and had a career game. Uh, you know, Malachi Flynn is just so impressive with the ball. He can shoot outside, but he also can get to the rack and make some of those floaters and stuff. You throw uh, Matt Mitchell, a veteran there, you know, it's still there. And then what they're getting inside as well. I, they're just, they've got a lot of different options that can beat you. And they're, they're again, a team that has a huge home court advantage and, and has a very hard time, you know, for opponents to come in there and win at home. So they're going to win a lot of games. I think Ken Palm still has them projected to finish the conference with two losses in the aggregate, but if you look at every single game, they're favored by at least six points, I think, the rest of the season. So they'll probably get tripped up somewhere, but it, you know, I, I think they're making a strong case to, to try to put themselves in position for a number one or number two seed in the NCAA tournament, which is crazy considering they weren't even the preseason pick in the league coming in. <laughs> and You kind of ran into my next question there. If there's anybody who could trip San Diego State up, who do you think that could be in this conference? I mean, they look so – there are no weaknesses in the squad, so who could it be? Well, I mean, I just talked about them winning all these games in blowouts, but they actually almost lost at home to San Jose State. Mm-hmm. They needed a buzzer-beating three-pointer at the buzzer. They would have lost at home to San Jose, which would have kind of fit perfectly with how crazy this conference season has been in college basketball this year with all these uh, teams beating each other and uh, on a seemingly nightly basis or losing to Washington last is a stunner, and it just seems like every night we get one. So I don't think, you know, someone's going to beat them, and it's not going to be a huge shocker, but it'll take somebody like, Colorado State hitting 19 threes or or Boise State hitting you know 17 threes when they come to Boise in a couple weeks or something it'll take some sort of crazy game like that and it'll take some foul trouble probably on their end 
Um, you know, they're just they're very good. But I think someone will have to get hot from three. Somebody will have to have a huge game. It'll probably be a road game. Um, I think they still have to go to New Mexico, but who knows what New Mexico, you know, what kind of shape they're in with the <laughs> brag being kicked off the team and everything else they're dealing with. But, yeah. um, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe going to Reno. When they go to Reno and, and Reno's got those guards, you know, and, 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 and they, they've, you know, had some, you know, that cut maybe could be a spot I'd circle, a, big, a tough environment, a, a decent team, a good crowd. Um, but I don't think they're going to lose too many games. They just have too much depth, too many spots inside and out. They can beat you, and I think they're going to be uh, – like I said, probably a team that's going to only lose one or two games going into the NCAA tournament. All right, I want to shift the, the the topic away from just specifically for this game this weekend or the Mountain West basketball, but just generally speaking, the Mountain West earlier this week, or I guess it was net last week, announced a new media rights deal with Fox and CBS, which CBS was in there before, but it's an extension. It's a better deal for the Mountain West. Previously, in the old deal, Boise State specifically had some additional concessions on national broadcasts and home games and being able to kind of negotiate some things on their own. That's changing a little bit. It looks like uh, Craig Thompson has said this is the last time this is going to happen. In the the new, whenever we come up for renewal, these kind of concessions won't happen again. What's the mood there around Boise about this new uh, media rights deal and specifically how it affects the Broncos? Well, a couple of things. First of all, it was a huge... To, to not be on ESPN, I mean, Boise State's had a relationship with ESPN for almost 20 years. Um, the, the games, you know, or in the early 2000s, Boise State kind of built their brand by being willing to play on Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights and, uh, you know, Sunday nights. I mean, Boise State played on pretty much every night of the week to get on ESPN, and ESPN kind of helped them build their brand. And, and uh, they, they've, you know, come all their home games have been controlled by ESPN for the last seven or eight years. And it's just been to, to not have them – at all on ESPN unless it's like a road game at BYU or something is just a lot of people are shocked by that and when when the college football playoff is on ESPN and you have the game day and those guys kind of set the agenda and set the discussion points and talking points for the top group of five team and all that when you don't have any of your games on the ESPN networks you're probably not going to get talked about as much as some of those other teams and so I think that was certainly a surprise and and a hit to some fans that they're not going to be on ESPN but I think they want to wait and see uh, what this means, because as part of the deal, some of the games are on uh, regular Fox, and then there's a chance that some can be on regular CBS also. So if you're talking about, you know, all these games on Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2, yeah, that's a huge, uh, you know, negative compared to what it was. But if you're talking about maybe two or three games a year being on Big Fox uh, on a Saturday afternoon or something, uh, they, they didn't have any ABC games on ESPN, so this would be better than what it was before. So I think that if they didn't get a CBS national game out of this as well, I mean, I think there's potential where it could be just as good, if not better, but I think we need to see, wait and see what kind of channels, what kind of game times end up getting set for all this. But, you know, the other part is you mentioned the money. Now, in this in this deal, they are going to get the money, the, the extra money that they got before, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I mean, a lot of people in Boise don't get it. The AD's not talking. The conference isn't talking. Craig Thompson, as you said, came out and said this will be the last time this is negotiated separately um, and that all the league, all the other presidents or whatever feel that it should be even. But, I mean, it strictly says in Boise State's contract when they rejoin the Mountain West, there's clear language that says that uh, they would have their home games negotiated separately and, and, and be um, you know, able to get extra money from those games for this deal and any future subsequent deals. So in writing, it says Boise State should be getting this for the duration that they're in the Mountain West Conference. So I don't know if the other conference presidents just said, we're going to try to just, you know, 
say, hey, we're not putting up with it anymore. This is what we're doing, and, and hope that Boise State's okay with it. I don't know if they just said this is what we're doing, and Boise State's you know preparing a lawsuit to sue them. Uh, I don't know if you know that the new Boise State president didn't understand fully when when she went to the meeting and, and agreed. I, I, no one really knows what happened or what is happening, but I don't think Boise State's very happy with it. We we talked to the you know the the athletic director does a uh, weekly radio show here and or segment on a radio show and he gave a no comment and, and didn't really seem interested in talking about it so that's a question for the conference and didn't want to get into it so he he seems very unhappy with it or he's unhappy with someone whether it's the Boise State president for screwing it up or whether it's the league or the uh, there's some unanswered questions there's a lot of uncertainty around this and I don't think we've heard the last of it Boise State Again, in in writing, it says they're going to get this extra money, which the last couple of years has been $1.8 million on top of whatever the share is. And if they're not going to get that moving forward, I, I think, you know, there's it's going to have to come out why because it's been hard to figure out and hard to understand. And I'm, I'm a lot of people in Boise are still wanting to know the answers to some of these questions, and we'll see if we ever get them or how long it takes. So I that's fascinating. Ask, yeah, that that's a great answer right there. i got to ask you, do you think that there's a thought – of maybe moving to another conference to actually take care of Boise State? I mean, it's certainly possible, and certainly people, when they saw that the deal was only five years or whatever, and they saw that, I mean, certainly that was something that um, if Boise State does get, you know, fed up enough with the conference and they're not getting the extra money and they can go to another conference where in, their guaranteed rights would be a much bigger, that's certainly something they'd have to consider. It just comes down to, um, you know, is this going to be football only? Would this be for all sports? I mean, people are talking out here about, oh, well, as much as they don't like the American, they're like, well, what if we just went and joined the American Conference? And then you're talking about a football league that has Memphis and Cincinnati and UCF and Temple and all this. But do you really want your women's soccer team going to play, you know, a conference game in Florida? Um, I mean, it just depends if, if, if it's going to be football only. And at that point, I, I assume the Mountain West, if we just did football left, wouldn't want to keep the rest of the teams in the league. So you'd have to, you know, downgrade to the WAC or something or the, the Big West or something. So I, who knows what's going to happen? There's, there's um, a lot of things that are out there, but I, I wouldn't put it past them. You know, a lot of people think the logical fit is the Pac-12. If the Pac-12 wanted to add two teams, you know, San Diego State, Boise State would both seem to, to make some sense. But, you know, there's a lot of hurdles that have to be covered there before that would happen. But I think that's what Boise State would prefer to do, go to a Power 5 conference, the Pac-12. If the Big 12 ever expands, that would certainly be an option. But I don't know if, again, that would be, do you want to play a conference game for, for women's volleyball in, in Morgantown, West Virginia? Uh, I don't know. So there's a lot of things still to iron out, but I, I don't think that's off the table. I think that certainly is something that if they don't get the extra money they want and another team, another conference is willing to give it to them and it makes sense, that might be something they have to consider. When you hear the commissioner say what he did about Boise State, that this could be you know, the whole entire, given Boise State the benefit package because of what they are able to bring in revenue-wise, and he says he's going to put an end to that, do you, in your opinion, feel like that's almost a threat towards Boise State? Could be, yeah. Man. I mean, again, we don't really know what happened. We don't know if all the presidents voted, and the Boise State president didn't realize and go, "Oh, yeah, everyone should get a fair thing." That sounds fair because the Boise State president just came in office in July, so she's new. She probably, you know, maybe there's a chance she she did vote and agreed to it and, and didn't realize what she did. And, and the Boise State athletic director is just, you know, mad at her. Um, maybe the other ads voted without her and said, "We're, you know, we're we're going to stop this." Because there has, as you guys know, there's been plenty of complaining. Not sure what words I can use on radio, but there's been plenty of complaining. I'll just say that uh, <laughs> about uh, about uh, Boise State's you know preferential treatment and and uh, the extra money they're getting and the extra TV games they're getting and things like that. So there has been 
you know, some, some unhappiness with some schools around the league. Nevada, San Diego State, I know, didn't like it. And a lot of the teams in the West, particularly because in the old system, uh, the teams in the Mountain Time Zone or Division would at least get the same bonus Boise State was getting because they'd be guaranteed to play them every year. Um, but, I, you know, it, it's been a long-going thing. First it was, you know, you couldn't wear the blue uniforms on the blue, and then they came back and said they'll change that. And then they said, um, you know, we'll give you the separate team. I mean, it was a very smart very smart deal that Boise State put together because they had all the leverage. Um, in, a, in a way, you could say they had no leverage because they were going to back out of the uh, what was going to be the Big East um, because that thing kind of fell apart. And then the Mountain West had just lost Utah and TCU, and they were desperate, you know, to, to keep a school like Boise State. So Craig Thompson kind of caved. And, and uh, But, again, when you're talking about bull shares and, uh, you know, winning the Fiesta Bowl in 2014 and the money that that went to the conference and the other schools, I mean um, – it, it, you know, I, I get it from the other teams' perspectives. They, they want to have a fair share of the pie, but also, you know, CBS Sports, you know, paid a lot of money for Boise State's road games. Uh, maybe CBS Sports isn't as interested if Boise State's not in the conference to, to want to have a big package that would include their their road games. So, a lot, there's a lot. You know, Boise State brings a lot to the table in the large scheme of things. A little extra money, I don't think, is that big of a deal. But in terms of competitive balance, competitive advantages, and all that. Um, you know, I, I think the conference basically said we've had enough or Craig Thompson heard from the other schools that we've had enough, but I don't, I don't think this is over by any means. BJ, heck of a job. That's really, really great stuff from you. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, let's do it again very soon. Shall we? Talking the sports you care about the full court press on sports talk radio, one Oh six, nine FM, 1390 AM, the fan. Big thanks to B.J. Reigns of the Idaho's uh, Press and Blue Turf Sports for joining our friends and I here on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's been a busy show, and we're about to close it up here as we enter the uh, final stretch of it and get you ready for the weekend, and it's a busy weekend ahead of you. We'll get you, we'll get you the rest of the schedules of sports going on, but it's right now time to preview one of the more important Things going on this uh, this weekend, and that's the conference. My kids' indoor soccer game. Okay, look. And by the way, you need to quit updating me and texting me about your kids' water polo games. I don't care if someone took a ball. Well, I do care if someone took a ball to the face. That's kind of funny, but I don't care if your kid overthrew the goal by sixteen feet and hit the wall. I don't care that your kid swam and saved a ball from getting out of bounds, whatever it is, and then getting. You gotta quit texting Those are me play important by play. Details. No, just quit texting me play by play, please. I'm begging you. You text me the most random times, play by play of your kids' water polo games. They're going down to Cedar City as we speak. Egg beater tournament. You're not going. I just came from down there. I'm and not so gonna you, turn and back so wait, wait, and go wait, back wait. Down. You could have stayed down there and supported your kid in water polo. Yeah, my wife reminded me of that. I bet she did. Like I got, sorry, I got too much to do. I got. Oh, you, you no! I I swear to life, if you brought me into that and used me as your scapegoat, so help me. I, I don't want another night of AJ on the air alone without me. AJ <laughs> called the other day and says he really needs me over there, and so I got I got to go help him out. I just totally could you see you use me as a scapegoat, <laughs> and just come back. Hey, I'm back. Great, uh, Mrs. Franson. If Eric. Use that as his excuse. I want you to know I never texted him. I never asked him to come back. So, in that case, you're in deep trouble, young man. <laughs> hey, uh... Good luck, water polo kids. 
Kansas City, Tennessee to Sunday in the AFC Championship game. This will be the first of the two, the 105 start, Mountain Time. Tennessee 9-7 and on the season, 5-3 and on the road. Versus Kansas City, who's 12-4 on the season, 5-3 and on the road, and they were this close for having their season eliminated until one of the most bizarre quarters of bizarre games really took place. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Chiefs down 24 nothing, then scored 28 in the second quarter and run away with it. They should have been out yeah. as it was. A lot of people said, oh, they just needed one more score and it would have been done. You're down 24 nothing. You should be done as it is. Uh, yeah. No way should you have been in that game. And here's what I think, and maybe I'm wrong. I mean, the Texans didn't help themselves. That's case. Okay. So that's where I'm going with they this. They messed up a lot. They gave Kansas City so many short fields. Well, and, and not only that, I look at this. I look at when you have fourth and inches on their side of the field in the red area with fourth and inches in a playoff game on the road. You go for that 10 times out of 10. I guarantee you, guys like Bill Belichick, Sean McVay, Put the pressure on them. some of the better coaches would have said, you know what, we're going for it. Because we're on the road, we have nothing to lose, we're going to get this. Instead, you settle for a field goal. That gave Kansas City all the hope in the world that they were stealing it. They say, look, we score a touchdown, we're back in this, really, we are, we're back in this game. Well, guess what? They scored a touchdown, they got back into it. Uh, uh, a fumble, um, and then the uh, kickoff return was also fumbled. Darwin Thompson got that recovery. Um, the uh, and then and by the way and then Billy O'Brien, uh, drinking a bottle of Mountain Dew with something in it, decides to fake punt on fourth and five from his own freaking thirty yard line. You tell me what that thought process is. I don't get it. Well, th- I think these are going to be really fun games coming up this Sunday. Uh, the Tennessee Kansas City game that's going to be on CBS. That's at uh, as you said a little bit after one o'clock. For the AFC Championship, and then later on in the afternoon, uh, early evening, well, four about four thirty, four forty on Fox will be Green Bay and San Francisco. I'm excited for both. I, I think they're going to be really interesting matchups. I think the Kansas City Tennessee one they faced each other earlier in the year. Derrick Henry has been an absolute beast. He torched Kansas City earlier in the season for about 180 plus yards. Um, so it's it's going to be a really interesting thing if that Tennessee magic can continue or if it's uh, if they've run their course and Kansas City will finally have enough to figure it out. And they've got some momentum after that comeback, and uh, they're playing with house money right now. So I, I, that one's going to be really, really intriguing to see if, um, if, if Tennessee continues to just keep feeding Derrick Henry. That play action could be a really big key. Well, Tannehill might have some of the deep passes because everybody's focusing on Henry. I think the defensive side of the ball is going to be monstrous for Mike Vrabel. Like, he's been there, done that. He played with the Patriots and was involved in three Super Bowl uh, championships. He understands defensively these kind of situations, especially on the road, and what it takes to win those games. Now as a head coach, he's been aggressive defensively so far. Extremely aggressive versus Lamar Jackson. They sent the kitchen sink at least three times on first or second down when Lamar thought they were going to play soft coverage, and then all of a sudden he's getting blindsided. I mean, they in the way they disguise their blitzes, it was just such great work by Mike Vrabel. I really think if they can stay aggressive, I don't get conservative now. Now I continue to be aggressive on first and second down. If you can put them in a second or third and long, Kansas City gets themselves in trouble really quickly. Yeah, uh, the 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 difference here in this matchup is that Kansas City has Tyreek Hill. Get the give him the ball in space, and he's so quick. 
and he's so hard to manage. So if if Mahomes can get the ball out quickly to uh, get it over the top of that pressure defense, then it could be a long day for Tennessee, um, and uh, it could be all in favor of, of Kansas City. So um, I, I I'm really intrigued to see. A lot of attention will be on the offense. You know, Derek Henry is a running back. Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback. But I think you're right. I think the, what could be the big difference in this one is who has the better defensive presence, who gets after the opponent better. Because we've got some some uh, very differing styles here oh, offensively. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially offensively. Like you said, this is a ground just pound you on the ground as long as we possibly can and wear you out. By the third quarter, you should be exhausted. But, again, that play action with Ryan, Ryan Tannehill has been so darn good, Eric, in these playoffs. And that play action, a few of those throws that he made are playoff caliber throws. The play action throw that he made for like a 15-yard out route on third and long that was completed was awesome. Then he on another play action, road on a, uh, play action route on a skinny post over the middle, second and long, gets it completed for a first down. Stuff like that, throws like that from Tannehill is what's going to give these guys a chance. I still think, and call me crazy, the Titans have a chance to upset this team. I really think that. Defensively, they're good. Offensively, they're sound. If Kansas City gets behind the sticks this time, I don't think Mike Vrabel will cost his team like Bill O'Brien cost the Texans. Andy Reid has struggled historically against Tennessee mm-hmm. uh, for whatever the yeah. reason is. Yep. So uh, I, I think this one will be close. I think the, the big difference here is that if, if Kansas City gets behind they have the ability to come back quickly. I'm not sure sure if Tennessee has that same ability. Yes, they have the play action. They do have some deep threat. Um, but if they're down, I don't know if they can get back in it as quickly as Kansas City could. So I still like Kansas City in this one. Um, uh, the, uh, the the betting odds have Kansas City by, what's the latest, seven and a half? Really? That deep? Uh, seven. Jeez. Excuse me. It's opened at seven and a half. It's down to seven. So really not a whole lot of movement. But um, I actually would take Kansas City, and I would take Kansas City to cover. Wow. I think it would be closer to 10. Good for you. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's but confidence. the later game is also interesting. you got two programs that have faced each other multiple times in the playoffs who don't like each other. Uh, I think you've got that some really, really sure. good quarterbacks. <laughs> There's a history here. Yes. Uh, two really good quarterbacks, um, great coaching, uh, both young coaches, up-and-coming coaches. Um, and frankly, I, I think whomever comes out of this one and the NFC Championship, I think is it's in the driver's this seat one. for the Super oh, Bowl. No, I by far and away, not even close. This is the Super Bowl right here. I remember in 1994 when the Cowboys and Niners played. The Cowboys were looking for a three-peat. The Niners have lost back-to-back NFC Championship games in 92 and in 93 to the Cowboys, and so that game was the Super Bowl. The 49ers ended up beating the Cowboys uh, and then went on and throttled the San Diego Chargers. Such is the case here, Eric. Uh, If the Niners can win this game, uh, they'll become the second team in NFL history to make it to a Super Bowl a year after losing at least 12 games. The only other team to do it was the St. Louis Rams when they uh, went from 4-12 and in 98 to winning a Super Bowl in 1999. Now, on the other side, when you talked about the quarterbacks, you're right, they are good. But two totally different opposite ends of the spectrum in experience of playoffs. Aaron Rodgers, been there, done that. In fact, he won a Super Bowl. He beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jimmy Garoppolo, this is his first playoff experience. He's never gotten this far as a starting quarterback 
in, in the NFC Championship game. That's where I think they're going to have to rely heavily on that running game as well. They're going to have to be balanced. You can't stack it all on Jimmy Garoppolo's right arm. They could be in some serious trouble. There, so these two teams faced each other in November, and Green Bay just cleaned their clock. Yeah. 37 to 8. Was that at San Francisco, by the way? Do you know? Uh, I can't remember. I can't, I'll have to no, go double check on that. I'm not sure. But here, I know it's a Friday. It's not a Tuesday. You usually do the stat that blow our minds on a Tuesday. But well, you were gone Tuesday. Chew on this. Um, this is the 37th time in the Super Bowl era that two teams will meet in the playoffs after one beat the other by at least 25 points during the regular season. The Ooh. team that won the first meeting is 22 and 14 in the ensuing matchup. That's good stuff. So the odds should be on Green Bay after what they did to San Francisco earlier in the year. That's but I good think stuff. that that was a that was an odd game for San Francisco. It was very uncharacteristic for them. I think what's different about the San Francisco team this year is their defense, and uh, I, I think they've been aggressive defensively. Uh, I think they have enough weapons offensively. I don't know that Green Bay has enough def- weapons defensively to make as big of a, an impact. But they got a great quarterback. They've got a great wide receiver. Uh, Devontae Adams just was—he's a monster, is he? Yeah, absolutely. Week. So I think this is going to be a really, really fun matchup between those two teams on Sunday afternoon. And both of them, by the way, had really rough seasons. We mentioned the 49ers uh, lost, uh, you know, twelve plus games last year. They ended up getting Nick Bosa out of that, by the way, with the number two pick in the draft. Packers last year six nine and one fired Mike McCarthy. Now come back to the NFC Championship all the way. Uh, there's there's a lot to this in regards to storylines, but I think it's going to be the Niners' defense versus Green Bay's offense. I think is the key matchup, especially within the trenches. If Bosa can get some pressure on Rodgers, make Rodgers have to run for his life for most of that game, Rodgers is bound to make a mistake. If Rodgers has time to throw, he's going to be able to find guys. He's so good at doing it. He has a great lease. Quick vision makes good decision. We makes quick decisions a lot of the time, and that gives Devontae Adams to find room to create some space to to get open for Rodgers. I I think Green Bay wins this, and I think they win it by nine at twenty three fourteen. Really, I do. So I got I picking San Francisco in this one, uh, and I think this will be a close matchup. I think it could be played within a touchdown. I think it'll be. A close I'd love one. for that, but do you think? So? I and I I wanted to see the 49ers win. I think the Packers end up winning it though. Uh, like I said, I think this is the premier matchup of the two games. Yeah. Oh, I, I, this is the Super Bowl for me. All right, I got to take a break. Coming back, it's that time, the time you've been all waiting for. It's pick six. Eric Francis versus myself, three lines with Adam, the intern, in the house to help us out. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, the fan. These are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. You act like that's horrible news. It's not. It's good. It's exciting for all involved. What, what BJ Reigns just tweeted out? Okay, well, that's... Yeah, everyone's in a bad situation right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Boise State reacting. So, by the way, if you if you missed it, you can find it on our podcast. BJ had told Eric and I in our interview that, hey, 
they're not happy over there. They didn't voice that specifically, but you could tell they're not happy. And then this comes out. Right. So Mountain West cut a new deal. It's with CBS and Fox. They're moving away from ESPN. Craig Thompson made it clear Boise State's not a get. It won't get special provisions in the next uh, renegotiation, pretty much uh, winding down any special concessions that they had before, making it very clear that the conference and its uh, schools are not happy with Boise State getting extra treatment. And yeah, now they've uh, he put together an interview or some stuff here, and they're not happy about it. I'm guessing they may sue the conference. Yeah, BJ said there's a chance that they could sue him, and sure enough, that's... I mean, just to sum up some of the things, without too much time, to, or not enough time to get into everything that he has posted, but uh, Ajay and I both have, have tweeted it out. Yeah. Boise <laughs> State's not happy. Good luck, Mount West Conference. All Can't right. say that I'm too sad, though. No, absolutely. All right, uh, time for pick six. You all know the drill. Six lines. You can pick your over and under or uh, whatever the yes or no's or however they might be. Adam, the intern, joins us here on the Full Court Press. Adam, how are we doing? We're doing good. How about you guys? Yeah, we are doing good. Great. Good to hear. I'm ready to break my streak. It's been a while. It's been a long while. It's been a while, yeah. Adam, take it over. All right, so we'll start out with Mason Falls left points tonight. The line is set at 24 and a half over under. And I guess we'll have Eric go first, since Ajay goes first a lot. It's because I win a lot. Oh, we're mixing it up today. So they're playing Ridgeline. Um, I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over as well. Okay, moving along, we got USU will give up 12.5 turnovers versus Boise State. Over, under. USU turnovers? Yep, 12.5. That's a good line. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go over. I think the extra time off will keep this team, they'll be sharp. Okay, and then we'll go uh, total turnovers combined in the NFC and AFC championship games. The line is set at two and a half over under. Over. Over. Okay, moving along, we got UNLV at New Mexico. Rebels by five and a half over under. I go first a lot, so you go okay. first. Uh, that would be an upset. This game is at New Mexico. But UNLV's playing hot. New Mexico's struggling a little bit right now. So I'm going to take the over. What's the line again? Five what? and a half. But for what? UNLV by five and a half. At oh, New Mexico by five, by five and a half. At New Mexico by five and a half? Under. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Uh, USU bench points at Boise State. The line is set at 20 and a half. Over, oh, that's a good under. line. It's I'm gonna go a, over. I'm gonna go over. I don't know if he uses. I. It just depends how he uses his bench. Yeah. How say, many guys? I don't play? know, man. I, uh, I'm gonna say over, but that is not confident at all. Okay, and then this last one here is a little interesting, so I'm gonna read it, and then Eric's gonna have to explain it. Oh, so geez. it is Sacramento's bogey or Utah's bogey. Eric, please explain. My heck, dude. Sacramento Kings' Bogdan Bogdanovich has been cleared. He will play Saturday against the Jazz. Utah Jazz have a Boyan Bogdanovich. So which Bogdanovich will have the bigger game? Boyan. Jazz. Okay. I'm going to say Bogdan. Sacramento. All right. Jazz have had a hard time handling him when he's played. Okay, and then the tiebreaker for in case it's needed, Utah Jazz at Sacramento Kings. Give me your scores. This is going to be a high-scoring game. 
119-109 Utah. I am also going to pick the Utah Jazz because they say Utah 125, Sacramento 109. I think the Jazz get this one comfortably. Me too. Me too. They'll have a chip on the shoulder for letting yeah. that game they're they're little, get away They're a little upset right now. All right. Well, thanks, th- Adam. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, the no problem. Great, greatly appreciate you. Uh, Adam, uh, really quickly, uh, AFC uh, championship game, who do you have winning? Chiefs. Uh, NFC? It's, uh, 49ers. All right. There it is. Niners and Chiefs. That All would right. be a fun matchup. Yeah. That would be a fun I'd Super be okay Bowl, with actually. seeing that one coming up. All right. Well, everybody enjoy their weekend a lot coming up. Don't forget Aggies, Boise State tomorrow, 8 o'clock. Pre-game here on our sister station on 610 AM KVNU. Championship games on Sunday. Pre-game starts at 12. you hear the rest from here on out. For right our, here on the fan. From Eric Franson, Adam Marie Intern, I'm Audrey Salveson. Good night, everybody. Enjoy your weekend.